Good morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'm your host here on Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. So many thoughts racing through my head. How to start today's show. What should the intro be like? Should it be uh, positive? Should it be uh, reflective? Should it be about an article a friend of mine sent me, which I was like, Honestly, that that was my sort of game plan this week, going that way. Um, eh, things change, you know. So I figure, I mean, that article is is sort of evergreen, which means like it's everlasting. It, it's it's not pertinent. It's not uh, specific to a time. So I could always do that opening in a different week, and that may happen next week or so. But um, I'd like to think I'm a, I'm a pretty principled person. I'd like to think that when I uh, there's there's logic to my decisions. I'd like to think that when I believe I am either entitled to something or if I am, um, you know, for whatever reason wronged or whatever, that I um, deserve something. And that may be, you may say that's so millennial of you, right, to just ex- expect something as a reward for a wrongdoing or something. I'm going to give you two examples. And uh, last week, <laughs> it feels like uh, it, it feels like a short time ago, last week. Uh, American Airlines happened. And what I mean by that is, as you know from last week's show, and if as you know of just listening to the network and if you're a follower of Naomi Nachman, uh, Naomi and I flew to Atlanta. It was a one-day shebang or what was supposed to be a one-day shebang. I flew in. We flew in together Wednesday morning to Atlanta, did our show, a great time. We thank everyone that attended at the Spicy Peach. It was really um, a, a perfect a perfect day going on. Um, we did a little food crawl around Atlanta. That was cool. And, you know, the weather's pretty bad in Atlanta, and the weather we know was pretty bad in, in New York that Wednesday. So um, what I did is on the way back, and usually in network policy we don't try to do this, but on the way back I decided, hey, I'm going to book myself to LaGuardia. It's closer to my apartment, and I'm going to be getting back late. And Naomi, let me book her to JFK. It's closer to her apartment. She's going to be betting it, getting back late. So we were on separate flights. She was supposed to leave at 945. I was supposed to leave at 925. We were eating dinner. Um, we realized her flight's a bit delayed. My flight was still on time. Great. You know, Atlanta weather looked, you know, thunderstorms expected and we knew New York, but I was tracking my plane coming in and it appeared to be like, we should be good that they flew from New York. It was, it's one of those like shuttles that goes back and forth. Get to the airport and my flight's delayed an hour and a half. All right, cool. You know, weather happens. Great. 10 10 p.m. comes. Naomi's on her flight. She's, uh, I think a bit delayed, you know, 1030 also, but she gets on, she gets out. And that's when my night begins. 10.30 becomes 11.45. 11.45 becomes 12.30. 12.30 becomes 1.30. 1.30 becomes 2.15. 2.15 becomes canceled. And, you know, weather, it, I mean, it was weather. The truth is, early on in, in the night, it was weather. The, the Till about 11.30 was when it was a weather delay, and then it became American Airlines doing their thing. What I mean by that is, at 11.30, they told us, okay, we're going to be delayed till 12.30. We have a new pilot coming in. He's already in Atlanta must be at his house or something. He'll be here at 12. Um, he'll be here at 12.30. We should be able to get out, you know, 1 p.m., 1 a.m., no problem. Great. I'm like, all right, be back at 3, 4 a.m., but all right, at least I'm back. I'm not spending the night in Atlanta. 12.30 arrives. There's no pilot. 1 a.m. arrives. There's no pilot. The gate agent, blessed be her heart, because uh, as you'll you'll hear, <laughs> there are reasons why I say that. And she gets on, and, and with this face, you could already tell, like, we have bad news. She's like, the pilot is not here we don't know where he is. We haven't been able to reach him. 
Let's see what happens. Literally about three minutes later, the pilot walks up to the gate, and everyone at the gate, there's about 80 or so of us, applaud. Great. He's going to get on. They're going to start the boarding process. The you know the gate agents start preparing everything they need to. It looks like we're all good. But about two minutes later, I see the pilot get off the plane and speak to the gate agent, and then right away, they go pull over to the side, sort of where near I was, and I'm like, I start videotaping because I'm into this, and I'm just like, all right, this is this is clearly bad news. And the pilot leaves, and I see her face, and I'm just like, oh, boy, here we go. And the pilot gets on, excuse me, the gate agent gets on the loudspeaker and just like pauses. And at this point, there's two gate agents, another uh, man came to help. There's And she just pauses and everyone's just like, like, just say it, just say it, we know. And she's like, at this moment, you know, it's unclear whether or not the flight will take off. The pilot has said that the first officer is now fatigued. And we're all just like, what? the first officer all of a sudden decided he's fatigued? He couldn't decide this two hours ago? He couldn't decide this last hour when we were all waiting? He couldn't just, you know... Now the pilot finally gets on. He's like, mm, I can't fly. I'm all for safety regulations. Let me, let me, let me, you know, let's get that clear. I'm all for getting from point A to point B in the safest way. And I appreciate that from all airlines, but there's some sort of, of miscommunication or some sort of something that went on over the last three hours where the first officer should have known that at 1 a.m. either he was going to time out or something was going to happen that he was not going to be able to fly this plane. Now, I volunteered to fly, but for some reason, they didn't take me up on that offer. So at that moment, they say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to wait about 10, 15 minutes. going to see. We might cancel the flight. We might not. We have to you know, see if we can find someone else. 15 minutes later, I'm, I'm smart already. I already start waiting online. I'm the, the fourth person online. We all start getting texts and emails. The flight's been canceled. And the gate agent's like, well, American hasn't told us anything because uh, you know we're told the flight's still going on, even though you all get something. And then like a minute later, it's just canceled. And then they say, okay, we got to rebook everyone now. You have to realize it's about two two thirty a.m. at this moment. Everyone's upset because really there were two flights from New York that were supposed to take off. Neither did, and they say, "Okay, we're going to ask our manager see if we can rebook you on other flights: Delta, Southwest, etc., JetBlue." No, they decide they can't do that. <laughs> the manager, who was there a lot earlier in the day, refuses to show up, and now the gate agents are stuck with eighty angry people. And they say, okay, we're going to try to rebook you on the next American flight. The earliest one is 2.40 p.m. And everyone's going crazy. At that point, someone says, I have a funeral to get to tomorrow morning. Another person says they have an interview at 9 a.m. You start just feeling bad. They book the first person on 2.40. Up, oh, The next available flight 7 p.m. And I'm like the one behind that person. I'm like, shoot, 7. I mean, I'm not sitting here for another 24 hours. I get to the line. They say 9.25, the original flight from from last night, the same flight the following day. That's And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I mean, that's impossible. I, I was at that point, you know, you're tired, you're upset, you're irate. I say, book me on the flight and I'll take care of it from there. So they booked me on the flight. They booked me a hotel. I left. I went to a different gate where it seemed like other people had issues. And that might be a story for tomorrow's live lunch. And I asked another gate agent, I said, can you book me? I, I mean, I said, is there any way to get me on a different flight? I looked up other flights. It was like a Delta I could for $300. You know, I was like, maybe I'll just book that and then fight with American later. Whole point of the story, eventually this this other gate agent gets me on the 11 a.m. flight, which was a previously canceled flight that they got me on that the other gate agents didn't know about. I got on an 11 a.m. flight. That 11 a.m. flight Wednesday was eventually delayed till 1230. Eventually, it got off. I got to New York about 15 hours later than expected. Spent uh, four hours in the Ramada Inn in Atlanta. Anyway, the point of the story is that I spoke to my, my roommates afterwards. I said, do you think they're going to refund me my money? And one says, there's no reason to. That they said their weather that weather caused the issue. And that they have, you know, if it, weather, you're not going to be refunded for any weather issues. Like, it is what it is. Weather happens. It's, it happens, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of times across the country, across different airlines. 
you're not entitled to anything. I said, whoa, boy. I said, yeah, they canceled it because of weather. That's what they're going to say. But I have video, I have audio of them saying it's not because of weather. It's because uh, the captain showed up late and then the following delay and eventual cancellation because of the first officer. And that has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with weather. That has all to do with American Airlines and their inability to, uh, I guess, scramble or have a or have a, a necessary backup plan. And again, this is where maybe a millennial says they think I'm entitled. I think I'm entitled. Yeah, maybe so. I fought. I, I called them. I say my story. Then the woman goes, I'm sorry. We don't do this over the phone. You have to send an email. I said, really? I said, this is the whole ploy. You know, you try to make it as hard as possible so that someone could get some sort of reimbursement. I send them an email, a long email. 2,000 characters was the max allowed. I, I literally had to summarize because I had two. I was at 2,000 characters and I had like five paragraphs left. I was like, all right, I got to cut things out, summarize. To the credit of American Airlines, they sent me back an email with a voucher the following day, crediting me $175. Now, what would I have said I'm entitled to? I don't know. You know, just reimbursing me for the whole flight both ways would have been nice, which was about 150 honestly, a pretty cheap flight. So, yeah, I guess I made a few bucks or maybe the network made a few bucks, whatever it was. I, You know, and then as I was thinking about it throughout the week, I'm like, is this me being entitled or was I actually, you know, was, did I actually deserve it? I don't know. I thought that was interesting. The other thing that happened to me this week, and wow, I was so into that story, I'm, I'm forgetting. Ah, right. Um, American, oh, Verizon Wireless. My apartment signed up for Verizon Fios seven months ago or something in August. And at the time when you signed up for Verizon Fios, you were allowed a $150 gift card. You sign up, you have it for a month, they're going to send you a $150 gift card. Well, Verizon Wireless, Verizon Fios, made it about impossible to get this gift card. You know, in October, I call up. In in September, I call up. They say, yeah, they'll send it out. In October, I call up. Yeah, it should be out. In November, I call up. You know, there's no tracking on it. You should be getting it. Okay, it might take 60 to 90 days. December, I call up. It's weird. It doesn't. Maybe you didn't send it. Let's send it out again. January, I call up. Hopefully, it's out. We don't know. You know, oh, you're too late to this. I said, I'm not too late to this. I've been signing up for three, four, five months already. Don't tell me I'm too late for this. I said, I know your games, Verizon. I know you are so into... You know, all these companies are like betting on the fact that you're going to forget or whatever. No, no, no. I was on top of this from day one. Anyway, February, uh, I don't know, 15th, 20th shows up and I get my $150 gift card. And that's not where I feel that, you know, that's the principled person in me. I said, I am entitled to this. I am promised this. I'm going to fight for it. You don't expect people to fight for it. I'm going to fight for it. I, you know, okay. You know, it's $150 is a solid amount. You know, I already made the purchase on it for my apartment. We, we stocked up on a lot of things. Okay, we're splitting it with a few guys. Nonetheless, that's a solid amount of money. I'm entitled to it. I signed up for a service that gave it to me. I'm going to fight for it. And these companies don't expect you to fight for it. You know, they're hoping out of the, you know, whatever the amount of times it is that only 50% will remember, 40% will remember, 60%, whatever the number is. If you're entitled for to something, go for it. And and that's my style. You know, I, you know, I don't know why I, I'm just very strong believed in that, um, in that system and in, in that I believe that. Um, when I'm entitled to something, I'm going to go for it. So those are the two things that happened to me. I guess I'm still waiting on another case from a medical bill <laughs> a while ago, but that's a different time, a different story, a different time. But anyway, thank you for uh, <laughs> listening to sort of me venting and sort of me um, bragging at the same time um, over these things. And they've been over my head, literally. I mean, the American thing was relatively quick, but like this, this Verizon thing was since August. It was like something nagging, annoying that like I'd, I'd work on randomly. And, uh, it's a win, and it, it should have been like a simple win early on, and it feels good that it's finally done. 
did Verizon get the best of me at the end of the day for all the uh, effort I put into it? Maybe, but hey, I'm out here with the 150 buck gift card, so who's the real one of Verizon? All right, let's talk about what's on today's show. Pack show today, which means we have two interviews and a maybe segment that has no name. The two interviews this week, Joanna Shepson will join the program at 9.30 a.m. as she uh, talks to Sarah Tuttle Singer and Larab and David from the Jewish Speakers Borough. Uh, about a fun, exciting program that should be happening this summer. Again, that's at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. At 10 a.m., it is Tova in Israel as she talks to Avigail Adler. Avigail is the uh, from the Open Studio Jerusalem. That'll happen at 10 a.m. Eastern. And again, the segment that has no name with Miriam Wallach will or will not, who knows, to be determined, will take place at approximately uh, 10.45, 10.50, if it does, in fact, happen. But for now, we start things off. With one song and one song only as we kick it over to the music. Mahapecha, Shel Simcha, on this Wednesday on Bite Size, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Tell me, 
are back here on Bite Size, bottom of hour number one. It's time for Joanna Shepson's interview with Sarah Tuttlesinger and Laura Ben David, right here, right now on Bite Size at the Nahum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. So I love sharing new events and activities happening in Jerusalem. And this summer, the Jewish Speakers Bureau is going to be sponsoring a masterclass series. The masterclass is going to be um, a combination of touring touring Jerusalem, learning new topics, really exploring the local Jerusalem culture with some really, really interesting people. So today I'm sitting with Sarah Tuttle Singer and Laura Ben David, um, two personalities that I know from Facebook. So I'm really excited that we're actually sitting here live together in a beautiful park in Jerusalem. Um, Sarah, tell us a little bit about the requests you were getting about running masterclasses and how that spurred into this great idea for a summer program. Well, I mean, first of all, the uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having us on the show. This is really exciting and really nice to meet you in person. You know, master classes are like it's like summer camp for grown-ups, and it's it's a fun and innovative way to be in Israel. I mean, instead of oh, see, we're right in front of a high school right now. There's so much life going on. I wish you could see what we're seeing. It's green. It's blooming here. This whole area is just absolutely gorgeous. There are kids playing over there. That dude over there is playing music. This is this is great. And so. When people come and visit Israel, oftentimes it's to the same spots over and over again, and you hang out on Emek Rafaim, you have a falafel, you, and, and that is part of the experience, but the master classes are in-depth excursions into different facets of Israel, and this is a great way to really engage in the country and, and meet people and, and learn some cool tricks, whether it's, it's photography with Laura Ben David or, or journalism with Linda Gradstein or social justice with... Um, with Rabbi Susan Silverman or, or, or storytelling with me. It's, it's just, it's something different and something fun. So Laura, maybe tell us a little bit about your background in photography and how you were chosen to lead this course in the masterclass around photography. Sure. Well, first of all, for the listeners, I'll just tell you, if you want to check it out on your own, it's um, jewishspeakersbureau.com slash summer. So you can take a look and even kind of follow along and understand what we're speaking about. Um, so I am um, I'm a writer and a photographer and a speaker with the Jewish Speakers Bureau. And photography is a medium that I have chosen as a, a way of really showing the world um, through social media and also through my programs, the, the beauty and the excitement um, of Israel, of the Israel that I see and that I experience. And it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. And um, and many people, like with Sarah, many people have asked me as well and uh, to, to run programs, workshops. And, um, and to do this, it's just an amazing opportunity to sit with people, to have like, um, to connect and have these you know, uh, little private programs where you're able to to learn and to see and experience and actually take something home, take skills home and take, you know, within my particular circumstance to take art home, take photographs home that you're able to hang on your wall and share your experiences that way. And it's very, very exciting to do this. So these master classes were the brainchild of Fern Reese, who runs the Jewish Speakers Bureau. And the whole idea is that in the morning, you've got some intense classes about a specific topic. So it's narrative writing, photography, social justice and journalism. So you get to choose which topic relates to, you know, is the topic that you want to learn about. And then they've got um, a trip out for lunch in a local um, kosher restaurant. And then the afternoon is like a piece of tourism with the person who's running the masterclass. So like Sarah, for example, um, on one of the days is going to take you on a walk through the old city. So 
something else I want everyone to understand is like experiencing Jerusalem with Sarah or with Laura is a totally unique experience because you're seeing it through their lens. So what would an old city walk be like with you? <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be an adventure. It, there's going to be roof climbing. There's going to be exploring cisterns. We're going to be looking through secret windows and opening these hidden doors, not in a creepy way, but in a cool way. We'll meet the, the the guy who smuggles fabric in from Palmyra, Syria, and we'll meet um, the, the the man with with a collection of maps that date back hundreds of years, and we'll we'll look through old coins. And I, there's even a pirate ship in the Muslim quarter, and I'll take you to see it. And see, I told you, you gonna are going to see gonna be. <laughs> see things you didn't even know existed in the old city. <laughs> and with Laura, I'm doing the photography masterclass. Um, you're going to focus one day on landscape photography and yeah, yeah. and storytelling photography, storytelling photography. Um, street photography, um, the old city. I'm going to basically take people to the places that I love, the places that I've been discovering over all the years, uh, and being able to, you know, share my secrets and give people opportunity to, to, to do this themselves. But the truth of the matter is that all of the classes sound amazing. I want to take the classes. <laughs> I mean, every single one of the other classes I would like to to be part of. And the truth is that people can take any and all if they choose to, because they're all on different weeks. There's, I think, a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, each one, so they can, you know whatever they like. So I'll just give you some of the dates, but you can find it also um, on Fun in Jerusalem, and you can find it on the Jewish Speaker Bureau uh, website. But the narrative writing with Sarah Tuttle Singer is June 23rd to 25th. The um, social justice masterclass class with Rabbi Susan Silverman is July 2nd and 4th. 2nd to the 4th, sorry. Um, and there she'll be talking about issues of sh- social justice, democracy, um, civic justice, peace, feminism, asylum seekers. She's actually going to have a session where you're going to speak to an asylum seeker to really understand what their life is like here in Israel. And she's amazing. Really, really amazing. Really special woman. Mm-hmm. And then Laura's photography masterclass is July 8th to the 10th. And Linda Gradstein is going to be giving a masterclass on journalism July 15th to the 17th. That includes excursions to Ramallah, Beit Lechem, and Sheikh Jarrah. So we're talking about a masterclass that is unique, has not happened here in, in Jerusalem before. And you're going to walk away learning new things, meeting new people, and seeing Jerusalem from a different angle. That's what I would say. Absolutely. So, so much fun. It's, everyone should come, it's right? It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So I say... Put your kids in one of the amazing camps listed on the Fun in Jerusalem summer camp guide and spend your day doing something like this. You got you will come home with having had a great, you know, adult camp experience and they'll come home having had fun in a Jerusalem camp. So all the details are going to be listed up on Fun in Jerusalem. Thank you so much, Laura and Sarah, for sitting with me. Pleasure. And uh, we look forward to seeing more uh, following you on Facebook and seeing how these masterclasses go. And I'm sure you'll be doing more in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, and now back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Joanna, and thank you, Sarah Tuttle Singer and Laura Ben David. Funinjerusalem.com, Fun in Jerusalem on Facebook, and Fun in Jerusalem on Instagram for uh, any information if you are heading to Israel over the next few months. Pesach, summer, funinjerusalem.com is your source for all the uh, fun activities that you could do in Jerusalem and all around Israel. More music coming up here on Bite Size, and at the top of hour number two, it'll be. Tova in Israel's interview with Avigail Adler. Again, coming up right now. But for now, more music right here on Bite Size at the Nachum Segal Network. Thank you. 
לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים מה יהיה עוד יום עד שנה? התקרנו יום? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. והוא בורא עולם, הכוח של כולם שומע את קולי. אני מאמין בניסים, אני יודע שיש אלוקים. והוא בורא עולם, הכוח של כולם ישלח לי את הנס, ישלח לי את הנס שלי, יאללה! יש לי סיב כל הזמן, לא לבכות הכל לטובה. אסור לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה. תלכיוך בן אדם, יש לי סיב כל הזמן, לא לבכות הכל לטובה. אסור לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה. ישלח לי את הנס, ישלח לי את הנס של יום והוא בורא עולם, הכוח של כולם שומע את קולי, את קולי. אני מאמין בניסים, אני יודע שיש אלוקים. והוא בורא עולם, הכוח של כולם ישלח לי את הנס, ישלח לי את הנס שלי.
Macha Bracha here as we start hour number two here on Bite Size, and it's time for Tovin Israel's interview with Avigail Adler of the Open Studio Jerusalem right here right now on Bite Size at the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. I'm so excited to introduce everybody to Avigail Adler. She is the founder, creator, artist at the Open Studio. Yay! Am I introducing you correctly? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Amazing. So welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Um, Abigail, before we get into the open studio and what uh, that entails, can you give us a little bit of background into who you are, when you came to Israel, why you came to Israel? So I came to Israel because I love Israel and I love, I've wanted to be here for years and years. I came um, about seven years ago, just over a little bit over seven years ago. Uh-huh. And um, I was a teacher. I was teaching in Jewish day schools in North America, but I, I had... I became a teacher. I was studying here at Pardes years and years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to North America because I had a grant and I had to be a, a teacher. For, I had to do three years teaching on Shlichot in North America. Wow! So three years turned into seven. You know, life <sighs> happens, and then um, and it took seven years before I got back here. But I always was on like a track to come back here. So. Uh-huh. And you came directly back to Yerushalayim to Jerusalem. Yeah. Back to Jerusalem, 2011. Wow, how's that been? How's it, how's it to live in Jerusalem? Amazing, thank God. Yeah. Best place on earth. And when did you, so the Open Studio, can you give a little bit of background into what the Open Studio is? Sure, so it kind of um, started by accident. It's a lucky, lucky accident. I came and I really had, like I said, I have a master's in Jewish education. And my background is teaching in day schools in North America. I don't have a teaching certification. I'm not an artist. Like, I always loved to do art and doodle and sort of taught myself. I went to a program called Brandeis Collegiate Institute in uh-huh. 2002. Wow. And it was like, we did paper cutting. There was like these different Jewish workshops you can take. And it was like a, a bit of Jewish learning. And there was an art workshop. It was either art or dance or drama. And I decided to do paper cutting. And first I thought it'd be really boring. But they were like, you have to step outside your box and challenge yourself. And BCI, this Brandeis Collegiate Institute, is a place to do something different that you didn't think you'd ever do. Right. So I was like, okay, well, there's nothing more different than me and paper cutting. Because I had no idea what paper cutting was, but it sounded boring and whatever. <laughs> so, but you gave but it I a try. I gave it a shot, and I loved it. I really, it was amazing. And that was kind of my first foray into art and Jewish art. Wow. And well, just, uh, as a, just as an aside, uh, or like a window into the future, or the current, mm-hmm. I just saw you posted a whole paper cutting uh, post with all they were, I guess, kids were doing Yes. Yeah, so, so I so basically since then I think it's been about 20 year no about 18 years 18 17 years since then yeah and I've been teaching paper cutting like I, I got so into it I loved it and then every time I, I was in a class or anywhere just listen you know people would see me paper cutting when I came to Pardes I'd sit in class paper cutting yeah and uh, you know with a little knife and a mat and whatever and they'd ask me oh what are you doing can you teach us how to do it and I started to teach classes in it um, and that was kind of my, when I was here at Pardes, it was whenever I ran out of money, I would open up a workshop, a paper cutting workshop to make some extra money. So I've always been teaching um, since I was 15. I, you know, was teaching Hebrew school to kids younger than me. So I think like I always have this like natural thing about gravitating towards kids and having yeah. been a teacher. So as long as I know it, I know a little bit more than my students. So like uh-huh. I never really was, you know, thank God I've become very good at it now, but it's only because I've been teaching it. Amazing. Um, so I was in, you know, and that's kind of how the open studio started. It wasn't just paper cutting, but I'm basically, I like to say, I'm an artist with ADD. So because I, I see something in the art store and I say, oh, that looks good, right? And I buy it. Yeah. And then I take it home. And by the time I actually get to learn how to use or do whatever the project is, I'm interested in something else. That's so so I end up having all these different art supplies. That of course I made Aliyah with, and I had no income and no, you know, I'm a Jewish studies teacher. What am I going to do, sell ice to the Eskimos? I'm living in Israel, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I had no job plan. I was a nanny. I worked in a gun. I, you know, and one, one day at a Shabbos meal, one night, um, one of my friend's kids it was uh, said, you know, they were looking for something to do in the afternoons, and they loved how I had art supplies. Can they come to my house and use my art supplies? 
Wow. And I said, sure, why not? You know, at least somebody's going to use them because I can't possibly use everything I've got. Right. And um, so then, you know, one girl came and the next week she brought two friends and the next week two friends brought two friends and there, before I know it, there was like 20 kids in my living room. Oh my goodness. Um, and that... And then we were too big, so we had to move down to the Miklat in my building, and then we moved to a bigger space, and we've been in about five, four or five different locations now, not counting the summers, which every year we're getting bigger. And That's incredible. So thank God. So it's expanded. It was paper cutting, it was paper arts, and then I went to Barcelona, and I, I found out about Antonio Gaudi, and I fell in love with mosaics, so I did a <laughs> workshop, wow. and I taught myself mosaics, and now today on YouTube, you can learn everything, so, you know, no, so amazing. I bought some books, and now I do mosaics, and paper cutting, and glass painting, and all kinds of art, so. Yeah, no, I love, I see your, your uh, set up all the time, either in the Tachana Rishona. That's right. We're having, a, we're opening a <laughs> new location. That's right, so tell us about that. So, so you went from, you know, having these private events, you were, you know, right. still so these the, private events. So it was kids mostly. Right. And, you know, then it was, I think it was before Pesach, and my friend's mom, again, Shabbat meal, was complaining that, like, what's her kid, what are, what is she, how is she going to cost her for Pesach when her kids are underfoot and they're home from school for two weeks, they have a vacation. I said, I'll take them to, I'll take them on, you know, I'll do a camp for them. I'll yeah. go to the Israel Museum one day, we'll go to the aquarium, not the pre-aquarium, right, right. we'll go to the zoo one day, we'll go you know, to the, to the toilet and we'll do what, so basically we would do these trips uh-huh. and then afterwards in the afternoon, everybody, the kids would come home to my studio uh-huh. and they would do art. And again, it started with four kids. The next day it was eight kids. The next day it was 15 kids, you know? Yeah. So. And then you were doing couple, couple nights also like date nights. Right. So, so now it's grown. I do, well for kids, I do summer camps uh-huh. all of July and August. And each week has basically, I have different camps from age three all the way to 15. Uh-huh. And uh, it's basically ages three to six is just August mostly, because uh-huh. um, that's when the Israeli kids are out of school and whatever. And we do things like it's all English, so we'll do a week of ABCs, a week of Monster Camp, a week of Underwater Worlds, and we go to the aquarium. And there's all kinds of art and science and learning involved. Yeah. And it's in English. So um, each week has another theme. So each week has another theme. So anyway, so the, the groups of kids are Stilim, which is the little kids from three to six years old. Okay. Um, and I have a gun in it who comes in, and she usually runs that program. And then I have kids six to ten, which is Anafim. And that's also we have a week of archaeology camp, a week of architecture camp, where the kids actually design. The, they go to see like different buildings like the YMCA in Jerusalem and the Knesset and the, and the Supreme Court. And then they, they actually build a city, like... They learn about archaeology and they build buildings and they decide what do they want in their ideal town and uh-huh. wow. very cool. And or that's architecture. Sorry. And then we also do archaeology camp yeah. and we do design camp and uh, we do a week of mosaics, a week of paper art. You know, so the kids can come and pick and choose. It's like shopping for what they want. But it's incredible that you took the educational aspects of all of the art and you're really you're applying it to yeah. every everything that you do with that. It's really fun. I mean, the the basic idea, everything I do, I try, and I also do adult classes and date night, and I do bridal showers where you know for for a wedding, you know, the bride, the whole brides and all her friends will come, and the I do glass painting parties, which uh-huh. is kind of like you know pottery painting but with glass. Yeah. Um. So. I I have a whole bunch of different glass objects and the bride or the couple will choose what colors they want and everybody will paint whatever they choose, whether it's a wine glass, a cookie jar, a kiddish cup, a plate, you know, whatever it yeah. is, hollow plate, um, in the color scheme that the bride and groom want. And then they end up with a whole set of stuff. That's amazing. So Do you a, go to them or they come to you only? Both. Depends. It depends what they want. So it's yeah. you're flexible with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But now, so now you have this, you were talking, we gave a little uh, preview into the, what's happening on Sunday. Oh, yeah. 
So okay. we're having this open house for what? What's the open house for? So we um, have a location on Hapalmach in Katamon, and that's where we are during the year. In the summers, I rent uh, rooms of a school. Okay, so very um, centrally schools. located. Yeah, in Katamon. Yeah. Um, but because, you know, the chugim, the after-school workshops are about an hour, an hour and a quarter, and the parents aren't going to drive 45 minutes in the middle of traffic at 4 p.m. across town to get their kids to a chug to turn around and pick them up again. Right. So I've wanted to expand, and so thank God I had this great opportunity, and now we're expanding, so we're not moving. We're opening up a new location. We're going to be in Katamon three days a week and we'll uh -huh. be in Arnona one day a week. Uh -huh. And so the parents in Arnona who have been here for years have been telling me you know, when you come to Arnona, let us know. We really want... So, um, so no, now we'll really have a chance. traffic from Arnona to Katamon. It's forget it. In it's the afternoon hours. Rush hour. It's, it's more than an hour. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you need a helicopter. Traffic. Definitely. I mean, anyway, if parents say, you know, I have three kids, and by the three, four kids, by the time you get to the fourth kid, if You're it's not the walkable, <laughs> they're not going to a chug. Exactly. So, but the, the thing that I try to make sure in all of my chugim and, and every staff I hire over the years and everything I do for kids or adults is I try and keep it simple because yeah. I'll forget if not, and the, there's two rules. Yeah. And I try and kind of use this personally, like my philosophical educational model, as well as for the kids is one is safety. Everybody has to be safe and feel safe all the time. Right. Um, and the second rule is you can't ask, is this good or am I done? Uh, those are very important. Uh, people ask that all the time, right? You have kids. Of course. I was like, mommy, is this good? Is this good? Do you like it? Do you like, and I'm always, I always say, it doesn't matter what I like. What do you like? Right. You know, How you're you the artist. Right. You have to decide. And so it helps them to make decisions. It helps them to think critically, to decide when they're done, to come back to it a few days later and say, you know, I thought I was done, but I had this idea when I was walking on Shabbos and I, I saw a cool sign and now I want to go add, add to my project. Right. So it's really fun. No, it's an amazing lesson. You can look at it multiple ways also. You know, like life is never done. There's always something yeah. to improve. But then you also have to remember when to say enough is enough. Right, and sometimes you do too much, and, right. and then they hate it, and I'm like, oh, you see, you should have right. stopped with them. But then we find ways to fix it, and you know, but right. the cool always, thing... if you make a mistake, there's always ways to go back and, right. and fix it. Right, there's oh, so, so many life lessons. There's so many lessons you can learn. There's this great book I have called um, uh, Beautiful Oops. Oh. And it's, uh, it's like a pop-up book, and the kids love it, and whenever I have kids, sometimes, you know, kids are aren't used to making mistakes, or they're used to getting today, in today's day and age, they get so much praise for everything they do. Right. right, and if they Without get one little drop it. of paint on a piece of paper, they sometimes freak out. Like, oh, I want a new page, and they crumple it up and throw it. I'm like, no, right? Let's open it up. Let's, you know. And then I take out the book, Beautiful Oops. Yeah. And Beautiful Oops is a beautiful book, and it has like a picture of a coffee stain, uh -huh. at, you know, on a piece of paper. And then it's the next page you flip, and it turns into like a puddle that a frog is jumping in, or right. a crumpled piece of paper turns into like a sheep's you know, mane of a sheep. Yeah. And so it's basically taking mistakes and what can you do with them? That's beautiful. So um, I'm like, okay, what can we do with this? And every time they say beautiful oops, one time a girl came to my chug. Uh -huh. She was in summer camp. It's a great story. She yeah. totally hopped the beautiful oops story. I read the story beautiful oops the day before. The next day she comes to my camp and she had her hair cut really short. Oh. And I said, I said, wow, your hair looks so cute. Did you cut it? And she's like, well, actually... My mom was cutting my hair, and, and, and my brother came running by, and I turned my head to look, and she accidentally cut it really short, oh. and, and she said, okay, well, because it was really short, she had to cut the rest of it, but I love it, and it's beautiful, and it's a great, beautiful oops, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, adorable. So, can you imagine? She, she totally had, got it. Like, it was like, imagine, it's a beautiful oops. Can you imagine if she hadn't read that story, you know, and... 
Yeah. She might not have gotten Yeah, she could have lesson. cried, whatever. And her mom told me this. Oh, she was so happy. She <laughs> had a beautiful oops, and it looks good. And she's, That's so, adorable. Yeah. Oh, fun. I love that. The beautiful oops. That's a great, so, yeah. that's a great bug. Um, okay, so first of all, people are listening to this right now, and they're thinking... They either live with Hi, people. <laughs> You're thinking, how could we find Abigail? How can we find Abigail Adler's open, uh, open Studio in Jerusalem? You can find me on my website, which is Open Studio J L E M. J L E M. J L E M, which is like J L M, right? Yeah. Uh, dot com. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook, The Open Studio. And there's a picture of me with a little girl in a museum. And you'll, yeah. you'll be able to tell I do a lot of stuff I do workshops for tourists you can find me at the first station during Pesach and Hanukkah in the evenings I usually do workshops there and I do private things as well for families reunions yeah amazing so let me ask you so someone that made Aliyah came to Israel is there any advice you could give to somebody that is unsure you know maybe they weren't proficient in a certain area what's what's your advice to them should they still come should they you know what would you tell them Yes. I mean, I didn't really, I knew I wanted to be here and I didn't really have a plan. I just sort of did it. And I think there's always excuses, you know? I mean, I got here when I was 33 and I wanted to come when I was seven years old. So it took a while, you know? <laughs> but you made but it happen. <laughs> it, it takes, you know, and life brings us on all kinds of detours. And first I was like, I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting, you know, and, and, and life never happens the way you think you it's going to happen. And you know what? Like, Things work out, and you know there will never the stars will never be lined up perfectly. I think you just need to really, if this is what you want, if what you, you know you do what you want, and the universe and will like totally take care of you. That's a, that's amazing, very inspirational. Also. So uh, go for it. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid. That's in Israel, one one piece of advice in Israel there is, and I learned this very early on. There is actually everybody says in America, people always say yes. Right? Like, they'll take on work that they can't do, or it's over, you know, they'll say yes, and then later that'll turn into a no. Like, uh -huh. actually, I said I would, but I actually have to back out because I'm overcommitted. In Israel, everybody says no, and no turns into a yes. Yeah. Right? It's like, no, 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 that's the first answer, but there's no such thing as no. No means maybe, or not yet. Right. So just keep pushing, keep going, exactly. and, and it'll get there. Wow. Okay, so now, I have a feeling I know what this answer is going to be, but maybe you'll surprise us. If you could think of one place in Israel that you could call your Israel happy place, wherever that be. Okay, well, everybody thinks I'm going to say my studio, but because you think that, I'm not. Um, but it is, it is my happy place. I'll tell you, my studio is happy when things are flowing. It's not always so happy. It's not always so tidy. Like, it's busy. It's a lot of work. It's not just, you know, people think they see you on Facebook and they think, oh, you're amazing. You do so much. But there's a lot of back work of that goes course, into it. Behind the scenes. Marketing and billing and all kinds of stuff. Schlepping art supplies all over Jerusalem, you know. Um, but but it's I, it's happy when it's flowing, and, and you know, and the kids are sort of. It's like this hub where the kids sort of everybody knows what they're doing and has their own inspiration, and they they find their books. They have a whole art library, and they they find what they do, and they know like it's important to make it their space. Yeah. So that's my most of the time, but not always happy space because sometimes it's okay. stressful, just like everybody has stressful parts of their life. Mm -hmm. um, I really love the aquarium. Yeah. And I went, I did a, last year, I called the, the, I got in touch with the head of education for the aquarium, which just opened, I think, you know, maybe a year, year. It's been opening slowly in different, right. different groups at different times. 
and I said I had this idea because I do a program at the zoo called Creative Creatures Camp and I take the kids to the zoo one week in the summer and I wanted to create a parallel week for underwater worlds where I take the kids to the aquarium and then the rest of the week is all about conservation, taking care of the oceans, learning about fish, everything and anything to do with underwater worlds. Yeah. And um, so I, I spoke to the, the head of education at the aquarium, Shai, he's amazing. And we created this whole program, and I ended up doing three weeks of that program in the summer. Wow. Um, and I love just going there, and it's like you're under, it's, everything's cool, and it's blue, and it's dark, and the kids could sit there for hours, and I, I give them, everybody gets, they come to my program, they get a sketchbook, and they take the sketchbook on trips. And so when kids come back year after year, they don't get a new one. They have to bring their old sketchbook. And they only get a new one when every page is full. Yeah. And so they get to show it to me, and they're so proud to show me their full sketchbook, and I give them a blank one, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they will sit for hours and with, with colored pencils and just draw the octopuses and the, and the tropical fish and everything they see. And it's just like a, wow. it's a happy place to go and like meditate and just be. What a wonderful hours we have in Jerusalem. It's amazing. It's really wow. amazing. Well, Abigail, you are one busy woman. Yes. <laughs> and Thank I really God. wish you continued success with your entire journey, with everything, and really bringing, you. like, you're opening the eyes of children and uh, teaching them these lessons. And grown-ups. This is the and thing. <laughs> My real mission is that every kid, you know, Picasso said, every child is an artist. And the problem is, is we're meaning an artist when we grow up. Uh, and there's this, this amazing TED Talk where... Um, they've done research where you go into a, a room full of kindergartners and, and you ask them how many people here are, how many of you are artists and every kid raises their hand and then you go you, you know a year later you go to the same school a first grade class every who here's an artist and and most of the kids raise their hand but as you go up second grade third grade by the time you get to fifth grade maybe like three kids in the room raise their hand right and if you get to a room full of adults and he did this in the TED talk I forgot the name of the person who did it um, but he said, you know, it's a room full of like a thousand people. He said, who here is an artist? And four people raised their hand. Right. And he said, so what happened to us? Like what we forget. Like when you're a kid, you're an artist, you can create, you can make everything. You're a builder, you're a... Right. And all of a sudden we learn, like somehow we learn, we unlearn, we, we unlearn creativity. I don't know if we can say that, but we, <laughs> no, but we, we stifle forget, that. Right? We forget. And so my, my thing is to make sure, is, is really like one person at a time, I have a thing, everybody's creative. And if yeah. I... It, it's easy with kids. That's like easy, easy to take yeah. it, right? So I also love working with adults to kind of that are stuck or that are like, oh, right. they say, oh, I have no artistic talent whatsoever. That's me when I say that. And I'm like, I, not true. I dare you. I prove to guess. me, prove to me that you don't I have second it. guess myself. No. So come to yeah. my studio and I'll, I'll prove I'll to you that you do have love, artistic I, talent. I really do love art though. When I was teaching in America and I would be with create, you know, creative with the kids and they would right. have their... They're, uh, it's much easier when I'm with the kids and yes. I'm showing them than when I'm sitting there myself. And if I'm doing it for myself... So bring your kids. <laughs> sit next to them and work with them. That's the coolest thing is when yeah. I do family workshops and they're parallel. You know, we'll do a challah painting, a silk painting, challah, yeah. you know, cover. And it's, it's, it's an equalizer. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're five or if you're 45, you know, and you're doing art together. You're both in the same place. And kids feel so empowered, too, yeah. to learn alongside their parents. And kids could teach the parents. It's a great, great, uh, great workshop. It sounds amazing. So, so Abigail, thank you so much. Come for visit. <laughs> I will, and I'm looking forward, hopefully, uh, to being there on Sunday. Amazing. Uh, so, continue success with everything. Thanks so much for thinking of me and interviewing me, Tova. <laughs> of course. Back to you, Yoni.
Thank you, Tova, and thank you, Avi Gail Adler. TovaInIsrael.com, Tova in Israel on Facebook, and Tova in Israel on Instagram to follow all of the uh, cool things happening for Tova and in the land of Israel over the uh, over the last year, over the last few days. She got a grill. That's what I've been looking at. Seems pretty exciting there to be able to uh, add to the menu of things uh, to make for dinner. I know I need a grill here, but uh, nowhere to really put it right now, so... I'm sure that is a very exciting. Again, Tovin Israel on Facebook, Tovin Israel on Instagram, and tovinisrael.com to see all the cool things in the land of Israel and everything going on there. More coming up here on Bite Size Great Music, the segment that has no name with Miriam Alawalik. Again, still TBD, but for now, again, more music right here, right now on Bite Size at the Nachum Segal Network.
everyone's waiting, wishing, praying for Mashiach. It will only happen when we all get along. Everyone waiting for, wishing, praying for Mashiach. Let's do one another. Everyone in song.
אמרתי, יוקי עבוד עם המשמשי מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. אל תהיו כיבוד עם המשמשי מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. אל תהיו כיבוד עם המשמשי מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. אל תהיו כיבוד עם המשמשי מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. על מנס לקבל פרס. אל תהיו כיבוד עם המשמשי מסורב, על מנס לקבל פרס. אל תהיו כיבוד עם המשמשי מסורב, על מנס לקבל פרס. אל תהיו כיבוד עם המשמשי מסורב, על מנס לקבל פרס.
trying to be all that you wanna be, but it's so cold now. It's so dark here. What could I do? If I'm a little light, you're a little light. Together we are so very bright. A little light here, a little light there. See the smiles, it's so very clear. Shine a little light, show us the way, lead us to. A brighter day, shine a little light. Show us the way, lead us to a brighter day. Shine a little light, show us the way, lead us to a brighter day. Shine a little light, show us the way.
Yachad by Barry Weber as we wrap up a uh, bite size here, a two-hour episode. I guess what you're usually used to. Uh, the segment that has no name with Miriam Alwalik, as I look to my left, uh, will not happen today. Again, still, as usual, TBD on a weekly basis. It's been, a, it's been, I don't think, I don't know if we've done it in, in the year 2019, honestly. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, no segment that has no name with Miriam Alwalik. So it's just me to wrap things up here. Um, I've been thinking about, as, as I've mentioned, I think before, um, switching up my playlist because songs like Yachad, Macha Bracha, while I've integrated them a bit more as as more as random single selections, um, I need to add them completely to the playlist because those are some great songs. Um, you know, the more I hear Yachad, I'm just like, I got to be listening to that every day. The more I think Macha Bracha is lyrically fascinating and, and phenomenal and genius. So um, I might just make Macha Bracha like my ending song. I don't know. I also kind of like the message, make brachas. I'm not so great at it. So anyway, that's how uh, we wrap things up here on Bite Size this week. Of Rummy's Live Lunch coming up in just a few seconds. Next week's Bite Size is also to be determined, I should say, because uh, we are traveling. We will be in Israel next week doing a lot of programming as uh, you'll see on our social media, as you hear on, as you'll hear, excuse me, on JM and AM over the next few days. Uh, we are traveling to Israel next week, which means uh, it's tough to do a live show usually. So, if I'm able to pre-record something, I will. If not, you'll hear an encore, and then uh, we'll have more live the following week. All right. But for now, thank you all for tuning in for the last two hours here with me. My name is Yoni Pollock. I'd like to wish you all a good day and remind you that the bite size is always, always, always the right size. <laughs>